The movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles may soon be a relic of the past, replaced with somewhat safer trains, AI robo-trucks, and drones. But today, we're gonna be examining autonomous trucks, drones, and supply chain visibility tech, and how I learned to stop fearing my machine learning overlords and embrace this automation. We did in fact try to get an AI to read this, but we did not have enough time. So you will soon see robo-assistant Thomas eventually. But what's more important is going to be what's gonna happen when, you know, large carriers encounter this stuff. And what does it mean for everybody else? We talk about it all the time, but we're gonna find that out today in this episode of Loaded and Roll. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling, folks. I'm your host, Thomas Wasson. Technology is everywhere around us, but just like the Wright brothers after their first landing of an airplane in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, the next question often is, what's next? I like to think we're in a similar situation with the breathtaking advances in machine learning, vehicle tech, and data analytics. But my buzzwords aside, while that buzzword soup may indeed feel hearty, it's important to imagine what these impacts are and what extent may they have on the freight space. Luckily though, as your friendly neighborhood trucking expert, we're gonna dive in and see what things these things are gonna do and what this impact these emerging technologies will have. Will it be the right brothers? Will it be the wrong brothers? I'm an only child, doesn't matter to me. Joining me to talk about the exciting changes that may impact a large truckload carrier near you is Walter Mitchell, CEO of Thai Software, a leading TMS technology platform. Now he's been in the software and technology sector for over 20 years. So this gentleman has witnessed firsthand the meteoric rise and impact that technology is having on the trucking and logistics industry. Welcome, Walter. Hey, well, thank you. Appreciate that great introduction. Glad to be on the show. We, we finally got the prompter moving in the correct direction, but then I was very disappointed my AI assistant failed to help bail me out. So speaking of new technology, <laughs> though, a lot of stuff going on and... Uh, you know, we're hearing about autonomous trucks and drones. I want to focus on the drones first because I think it's fascinating. LTL carriers like UPS are apparently working on shooting the drones out of their LTL trucks. What do you think drone tech's going to be for actual trucking companies and, you know, folks who are like hauling over the road? Yeah, you know, I think that we're going to continue to see more, uh, more growth on the drone side. And uh, I remember a couple years ago hearing about uh, drone usage in China and how they're using it uh, not necessarily for local delivery, but for difficult to deliver places so that they could reduce the time of, of the trucks driving and, this, and make it a little less difficult to make those deliveries happen. So that's what I think we're going to continue to see is some growth and some changes in, uh, in the way that the drones are being used and how often they're being used, right? And uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. It's going to be easier to deliver packages. And if it's easier and cheaper to deliver packages, we'll see more and more of it. I'm kind of curious to see if, um, uh, you know, we'll hit autonomous trucks in a second as we see them testing. But if I'm a large truckload carrier, would I need to start looking at drones yet? Or would there literally be the opportunity to have like a little mini drone aircraft carrier where the trailer simply can house a few and then the top just rolls back and you send them straight up? Yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't be a real situation, right? I mean, uh, whatever it takes to get them delivered makes a lot of sense. I think for the full truckload in the LTL space, it's a little ways off though, uh, because it does require a lot more power to lift 1500 pounds than we'll see in the parcel space. 
And I'd say in the parcel space, we'll see it much quicker because, you know, moving a 20 pound package or a 15 pound package is a lot different than 1500 pounds. I'm waiting for that day where you get the giant Chinook drone to pick up the single pallet. And then we're going to have a real fun time if the pallet right? shifts, you know, in transit. Autonomous trucking. Uh, we've seen some, <laughs> you know, sure. testing going on right now. We've got a situation where a lot of uh, truckload carriers are signing on to test a few routes. But uh, kind of like where are we yeah. at right now? And what do you think will be the, the situation where trucking decides, well, let me just replace this whole middle segment and become like a poor man's LTL with a hub and spoke? Yeah, I, I think it's on its way is there as well, too, right? And that's the nice thing about technology is, you know, we know it's going to progress. We know it's coming and we know it's moving along. But the thing that does tend to be the case with technology and, and these kinds of uh, kind of a little bit intimidating types of shifts is they will happen slowly. It's not going to be overnight that we're going to see a transition and all of a sudden everybody's going to have a huge autonomous fleet. Um, but we're going to see it in two places first. One of them will be those those line haul segments that are a little more routine and mostly over the, a long straight runner road. But I think we'll see them in yards as well. And uh, that'll probably be a place where we're going to see a lot of autonomous trucks and autonomous fleets building up is for yard management and some of the kind of routine tasks that happen to manage those yards and, and keep freight moving along. The robo yard, uh, you can't call them yard dogs or yeah. yard jockeys. Well, it depends on what DC <laughs> you go to. Uh, the yard movers, yep. I guess, is the better part. There Having a go. robotic. Yeah, <clears throat> that's right. We don't want to call our robots the wrong names, right? <laughs> when <laughs> Make they them find mad, out, be yeah, they're, they're thinking. They yeah. may see those sensors, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they don't feel quite yet. Uh, I'd hate to make the that's road right. um, road mover yard positioner software. We'll make an acronym out of it, like Wally. But um, so yeah, we've already hit that data we might analytics need as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> new HR just for our, our robots. Yeah, Robo yeah. HR for the robo yard mover. I mean, there's the potential here, the AI-generated right. sensitivity training for your, your how to how, yield the right of way to the robot yard mover. I, I'm actually curious about That's that because right. you're almost going to feel this situation where, you know, regardless of the tech, you're going to have this friction where you're going to see deployment in certain locations, but you're still going to see human drivers having to interact with this. And I'm always very curious right. if when it comes down to push comes to shove for accidents and other problems, I wonder if it's going to be something where it turns out the robot was much better. And it was really just our fault to begin with because uh, we didn't want to get out of the way or it couldn't move or something. I, I think that's definitely going to be the case. You know, the, the thing with the robots is they're predictable, right? We can, we know what they're going to do. We know how they're going to behave and, uh, and they have clear parameters of how they work and, uh, and they make less mistakes, you know, because of those parameters. So there are unforeseen things that'll happen, of course, but if you keep them in a in a contained environment, they operate really, really well there. So yeah, for sure, we're going to see that the the humans will have a little more mistakes and a little more error than the robots will. No pressure at all. I was wanted to switch gears a little yeah. bit. You've got extensive experience in software, logistics uh, software as well. Tell us a little bit about the history of Thai. I was looking it up, and you all have been in this space for quite some time. So you all would have had to have seen, you know, kind of the big rise between this TMS growth as well as all this technology. Where back in the day, we were barely figuring it out on a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the years go by kind of quick. So I've been in TMS for about twenty years, and uh, during that time, it's been really cool to see the way that the technologies have been leveraged and used in both the LTL and the full truckload space. Uh, and those, those are the areas we really specialize in at Thai is uh, the LTL and full truckload, uh, specifically around freight brokers. But watching the technology grow and change, it's been really fun to be a part of and, and to help promote that. And 
especially right in the last three years, the full truckload space has seen such tremendous technology improvements with uh, the freight matching services and uh, and just managing carriers a little bit better and so forth. So it's it's been a great ride, and and we've been really fortunate at Ty to to be a part of that and help help bring cutting edge technologies and highly competitive technologies and good visibility to freight brokers in that full truckload and LTL space. I think visibility is so interesting. I was at a large truckload carrier before many moons ago. And one of the most fascinating things I talked to with our folks, because uh, some large asset-based carriers will develop their own homebrew method, and uh, they had all this yeah. telematics data. Uh, they used ELDs. And the problem was it was yeah. either uh, in a legacy database that was somewhere in like uh, in the middle of nowhere in terms of their stuff, or they, had, they were sitting on all of this data in terms of driver behaviors. Uh, they could anonymize it, look at mileage bands, where is this performing? It is fascinating to see that in spite of all that, even if you have the technology, if you don't know how to use the technology, do you feel like something that having a third-party TMS software to come in and be able to dig through it versus making yourself. You think there's kind of some advantages and disadvantages? Because I had a rant and rave for the longest, 20 years worth of uh, telematics data. You're just sitting there uh, collecting dust. Yeah, the, the usage of data is probably more important than the collection of data, right? You have to collect it in order to use it, but using it is the critical piece there. You have to find ways to take that data and pivot it and work with it. So one of the advantages from working with an off-the-shelf application like our, like the Thai system is that you you can focus on how you want to pivot data and how you want to look at data rather than building it from the ground up. So you start with a framework that gets you most of what you need without having to start from scratch, right? So you're you're able to turn it around a lot faster and focus on the business analytics that help drive the company rather than focus on being a software company. You know, you don't, as a uh, freight company, you don't have time to be a software company and manage analytics. So work with an off-the-shelf package or work with packages that help get you further along, and it makes life a lot easier. And and it's even something we do at Ty, the, the same thing in that, you know, we didn't, we're a software company. We have software developers on our team, but we're not going to build a CRM. We buy a CRM. It's It doesn't make sense to build it from, from the ground up when there's so many great CRMs out there that are that can be implemented. Uh, and so I think a lot of companies should think about that when they're making technology decisions is what can I get off the shelf and add to it to achieve my goals rather than let's bring a development team in here and turn ourselves into a technology company when really we should be specializing in freight. I've noticed that a lot. And it's really hard for uh, uh, change management. So we see this technology, we see the visibility platforms. Large carriers have their customers saying, I want you to do this. So the carriers begrudgingly maybe doing, you know, a, a EDI or an API that's giving them this stuff. But what's amazing is just um, how hard it is for the trucking companies. They barely manage to operate operationally speaking, now you're giving them the expectation of being a software company and then trying to hire devs, hire the teams. And uh, uh, I know in Chattanooga alone, it's not like we have people, you know, you want to go to work for Google or Facebook or Apple or, you know, fang companies or, uh, you think that's one of the opportunities as well for specialization and that, you know, if you're a large carrier and you're in this visibility space and you have aging technology, is there anything you need to look out for? Is there any specific moment when you need to think about, hey, I need to like purchase this off the shelf or should I just give up? Because change management wise, I think it was Harvard said 50% 
or something failed when you tried to implement the new tech stack in the first place because of the issue with change management culture and legacy systems. Is there ever anything you should watch out for uh, when you're like in that high level C-suite role and people are saying, I need new technology, but you don't know if you want to make it homebrew or you want to purchase it off the shelf? Yeah, and I think that comes down to knowing what you want to be and, and knowing whether or not you're a technology business first or a freight business first or what you specialize in. So I definitely push towards purchasing software off the shelf and then working with that from there and building up on it. Uh, and the reason is, like you're saying, change management is a component that when you do build software internally, like, do you have professional software development processes in place? Can you maintain, can you deal with the changes of what that software is going to look like in five years uh, and that becomes a real significant cost that you don't always calculate when you're when you think I'll just build this up front. So that change management piece, a, a huge additional cost that that goes along and requires that maintenance over time. So I would say that it, it's usually in your best interest to to avoid that part of and that component and uh, and work with tools that get you 80 percent of the way there and again build on top of that. Wanted to get your thoughts on AI as well. Um, I did get to work on yeah. some AI-driven route optimization software at a startup and a large carrier. And one of the fascinating things we found out was that the AI would do a great job at optimizing the truck to the load or even as a broker, the carrier to the load. But a fascinating thing, and I guess this is just people, it was really hard to determine if the driver or you know even the carrier, what to at what extent would they actually be able to execute on it. So I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts. When we're talking about this AI revolution, do you think that we may see more of it being deployed when the autonomous portion is fleshed out and you remove this human element? Uh, or do you think there's an opportunity in software development, even a TMS or other provider, to say, hey, here's a driver scorecard. Here's a, uh, you know, do drivers go like a standard uh, distribution? Or is it more of an 80-20? I think it's Parento, it's an Italian guy. He wondered why all the, the stuff in Italy was controlled by like 20%, had 80% of the land. So there's two different types of principles. What are some of your thoughts on that? I always wanted to pick the brain of, of folks smarter than me because the drivers were so pesky, but you could never get them to find out if they go 400 miles or 600 miles. Just mess everything up. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's been really, that's been a really fun part of the transition that we've been seeing uh, over the last couple of years. And especially right now with chat uh, GDP being so uh, dominant in the media, right? But but that technology has been around for a little while, and I what we're seeing from a from the technology side is underneath the covers, AI is being used everywhere today, uh, and machine learning tools are being used everywhere, and but they're mostly hidden to, to our day to day activity. Uh, like for example, when you're working with your your Apple phone, your Google phone, uh, AI is being used in pretty much everything you do, but we don't notice it. And that's where we're going to see uh, that trend continuing, is that the AI and the machine learning tools are going to be built in right into what we're doing every day, and we're not even going to know that it's happening. So we're going to see the, that route optimization, uh, and maybe it'll be a combination of some traditional algorithms plus some machine learning, and you put those things together to solve the problem in the most compelling way. Uh, and I think that's where we're really going to see the drivers. And that's where AI can really provide a huge value is that supplementing some of the decision-making processes to help us at the end just solve the problem, regardless of whether it's machine learning, if it's uh, what technology is being used. 
the key element is, is about solving the problem. And that's one thing that I like when you mentioned chat GPT, because a lot of folks are, we have these chat bots that are able to ask questions, gather information and process it. And we're also having, you know, technologies now that can hold somewhat conversations. And I'm very fascinated, either from a TMS standpoint or even a large carrier, I'm shocked that nobody has figured out yet that I used to be a dispatcher, I had 55 trucks. Imagine that I had a digital AI assistant that when a driver sought me a message, it would filter it through first, it would pick up the keywords, it knew the weights, and it could literally assign it to where driver would press a button on his phone like you talk to your personal assistant like Siri or whatever, and you say, hey, I've been stuck at this shipper for five hours, I need some help. And then it literally filters it up and it makes a ticket for me and then it goes driver XYZ at shipper five hours and then it automatically provides visibility for customer CS team or if you're a broker, driver can send it to the broker who also has the API with the customer and you can, it almost feels like we're missing out on this. I know there's a lot of roadblocks, but do you think that's something that can work potentially that we may start seeing in the near future is relying more on these chatbots and allowing it to take some workload off of your brokers, off of your ops team and streamline this process? Absolutely. There's no question that the technology is available today. Uh, we can accomplish that today. Uh, it's really a question of somebody uh, going around and building it and adopting it. Uh, so an example of it would be uh, in the Thai TMS today, we have an AI tool that helps us create read emails. And it you know reads the email, extracts information from it, creates a shipment, uh, and then can generate a quote and even reply back to the quote. Uh, but what we noticed when it comes to the AI is even though we can do that and we can reply back with natural language so it sounds and feels like it's coming from a person, uh, what we found is that in our case, a lot of the brokers still want to interact with it. Uh, they want to be able to see and review it on their own. And that's totally okay. That's a great use of the human's time is to, to receive the information, save them all the extra work of creating shipments and, uh, and handling the, the legwork around it and generating the quote. So we do all of that for them, and then the person can just review it and then click send. So, uh, so this is a, a good example of where the AI is, is working in the background and supplementing the human's work. And so when it comes to the drivers, I think we'll see the same thing. Uh, somebody soon, I'm sure, will start implementing a chatbot that drivers can use a little more uh, diligently to do their, their work. And when, they, when that happens, uh, we'll start seeing humans supplementing it where the chatbot stops. Uh, and those automated chatbots are everywhere right now. And they uh, honestly save a lot of time too. That's what I'm thinking about is um, the first folks, uh, maybe you all are working on some similar things. Which, this is very fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking a little detour here. If I was in an operations yeah. role, whether it was a brokerage or a carrier or an asset, my biggest problem was I needed to identify the problem quickly. I'd liked it presented enough to save me some of the mental bandwidth of trying to figure out where did I get to from here? You know, uh, what's our current step? What happened previously and what should I do next? That's a really fascinating thought because you have the potential to review these problems and it pre-condenses them for you, detention alert. Uh, if I had somebody that auto quote for me, that yeah. is amazing. What's crazy is it's gonna get better. Uh, another topic we need to talk about one day is, does that mean that brokers become market movers because even though they're on the small corner of the spot market, eventually with this technology and optimization, it moves really quick, kind of like commodities and it becomes a pure play commodity because of how this tech involves. But do you think that's eventually what, uh, or as a TMS maker as well, do you think that's something that 
uh, folks, consumers need, they just don't know yet, where you have a mobile application, you can press it and chat to it and say, hey, I'm having problems, message the company. And then that becomes, it goes straight upstream and takes out a lot of the weight. Because that was my biggest problem. We used to have uh, one TMS I used. We used to have uh, AS400. So here's a fun one. You ever go through an AS400 and it just gives you instances uh, at dock oh, yeah. issue, at loaded, review this, check this, check this. And it was all just one thing. And the second one was yep. little alert boxes in a mobile browser style segment. And what would be fascinating is I still had to think. I had to pull up the order, pull up the email chain, pull up the driver, pull up this. So you're saying theoretically we can remove all of that eventually by using the chatbots to help drive these uh, issue creations sure. or exception alerts. And then that could theoretically save me like half of my time instead of me thinking I'm losing my job. I got a co-pilot. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, we're doing some of that today, but a little more focused on text messaging rather than than the chatbot. But really, it's just a medium for communication. And uh, and you know, we see it happening today anyway. Like you know, if you're a dispatcher today, you're grabbing your phone and sending a text message to your drivers uh, to communicate with them. So there's no reason that needs to be done that way. It can be done in your TMS, and uh, and most of our phones can read our text messages to us and allow us to reply. So. We're really close to that chatbot you're talking about in, uh, in just the way we interact today. So, uh, like, for example, in, in our TMS, we can click on a whole handful of shipments uh, and then just hit send check call and it'll send text messages to the drivers uh, and ask them for an update. And they can either reply back with an update or click on a link that helps them update it. So we're getting those check calls and we're making it really easy for the drivers to do work with the broker. And that's one of the keys and of of trying to do this kind of the chatbot you're talking about or or leveraging any of the new technologies is let's make it easy for people to to work with us. Let's make it easy for people to get their job done. You know, and I think that's one of the common misconceptions that comes with technology is we all worry that the robots are going to replace us. Uh, but the reality of technology is it generates more jobs than it's removed. Uh, and that's what we see over time is that there's more jobs being created, just the jobs are different. And that's what we're going to see with it, right? So now we're sending, instead of looking at that AS400 and, and scanning through that list, now we're able to, in our TMS, just check up a couple of boxes, text the driver, and get replies back without us interacting. It's making it easier for the driver to work with us. It's making it easier for the dispatcher to do their job. Uh, and that's the goal of technology. And that's if we're implementing it right, that's what we should be doing. I'm very excited to see, uh, especially what y'all are working on. Final thoughts here as well. Got a little under three minutes. Uh, spoke with the folks at Uptake. Some really fascinating stuff. They talked about AI machine learning back in the day. And they mentioned that the machine learning was useful, but you also have to know the weights to figure out what happens. Is that something you all see as well as you're working on your machine learning algorithms? Some companies make the really good algorithm, but I feel like some companies are also sleeping on the fact that you need the experts in the roles to tell them how to train the model so that way it starts optimizing correctly. Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that we've learned over time is that building machine learning models uh, is not about the technology. It's about business expertise. Uh, it's about knowing what is supposed to happen and what the predicted results really mean. And are they meaningful in context to the business? So when we look at it and when we're building machine learning algorithms, we're taking a big pool of data, but it's not our technology team that is analyzing that data. The, the data scientists and the data science part of it is really important, but understanding the business results of what you're putting in and getting out is where the, the model really has to be, be turned and driven. 
Um, and we see some great examples of it in the industry today of where the, the models are, are being really intelligent about what they're taking in and sending out. But anyone working in machine learning uh, knows real quick that you've got to have your business people involved uh, and people who understand the industry uh, because just collecting data doesn't cut it. You got to digest it. I can make good food, but if it's not palpable, no one will eat it. Uh, Appreciate you coming on the show, Walter, so much. Folks want to learn more about Tide, get involved, check it out. What's the best way to get a hold of y'all? Yeah, you can reach us on our website. It's at www.tai-software.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn. uh, We're under Tide Software, and we'd be happy to connect with you. Perfect. Walter, pleasure having you on as always. Looking forward to seeing what you're up to as well. Uh, we're going to see if we can get those drone aircraft carriers too. I'm going to be looking forward to that. So Love we're going to have to, we'll have to continue this conversation again. Sounds great. I'm ready for them too. Thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. That's going to be a wrap for today. But a little bit of housekeeping, of course. You can always catch this show live at 1 p.m. Eastern here on tv.freightwaves.com or check out the other stuff. We're on Apple and Spotify by like, 5 p.m. today for this episode, probably. Uh, additionally, we have the Loaded and Rolling newsletter. Check it out, freightways.com slash loaded and rolling. Comes out every Thursday at 2 p.m. So a lot of fun stuff going on there. Check out what the folks Tyve are working on. Always amazing stuff. That's going to be a wrap for today, though, folks. It's been an absolute pleasure. This is Thomas Wasson signing off. <laughs>